98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Well, here we go with the top stories of the day. We present them to you every day here at 4 o'clock on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're going to start with Suns News. According to ESPN's Baxter Holmes, investment bank officials who have managed the sales of professional sports teams in the past have said they expect the sale of the Phoenix Suns to set a record price. Quote, it will be the highest price ever paid for an NBA team, close quote, one investment bank official said. Robert Sarver has chosen the investment bank Molise and Company to oversee the sale. Yeah, I mean, professional sports franchises do not become available for sale that often. No, they do not. Unless you're the Coyotes. (laughs) Then, like every... Two years, you could buy a pro team if you wanted to. (laughs) That's good. That's funny. Josiah bought the Nets for an NBA record $2.35 billion in 2019. There is a belief this will go much, much higher than that. More Suns news. The annual NBA general manager survey came out. It's always interesting to kind of peruse through it. Devin Booker was picked in a runaway as the league's best shooting guard. Chris Ball finished third as the league's best point guard. Mikel Bridges was fourth for best perimeter defender. I mean, all legit, right? Book should be number one. Mikhail, one of the top defensive players. Chris, I mean, it was a couple different things with Chris on, you know, basketball, you know, smartest players, IQ basketball IQ, and, yeah, right. and things like that. He was second in passing, right, Chris? Second yes, in passing? Yes, he was. Second best yeah. passer, third best passer. Yeah. So they got the, they got some, if they would have added Kevin Durant, they would have had a guy that was number one on that list in something, too. <laughs> yeah, right? Kevin Durant was number one number on one something in that forward, list. I think, yeah. We also heard from Suns head coach Monty Williams after practice today. He was asked, A, about Jay Crowder. Is there anything? New with Crowder is it still just in limbo? Or? I don't have anything to report about that. And then he was asked if he and DeAndre Ayton still need to air anything out. Whoa. We don't need to air anything. That's that's my point. I'm not going to keep addressing. Da gets his work in every day. He's at 22 and 12 in 20 minutes. Those are the kinds of things that we expect from him. I don't need to sit down and talk. You know, some people have like uh, today's 100 days till Christmas, right? Is Today it? is 100 days till Christmas. Yes, 100 days till Christmas. Holy crap, is it? Yes. Oh, damn. Monty doesn't have that calendar. Monty's got the, i got 120 days so we can trade the A calendar. <laughs> 120 days and I can trade the A. That's what he's got. That's his calendar. We'll see if it Monty, you know it's only 100, day, 100 days till Christmas? 120 till we can trade the A? We'll see. I'm not so sure it's going to come down to that, but we'll see. Suns continue their preseason in Vegas tomorrow. In other preseason news, in Vegas, the Coyotes take on the Golden Knights tonight at 7 o'clock. As we mentioned... they're going to be on the road for the next three months, I think. They are. Did you see that road trip? Like, they're playing in Kansas. They're playing, like... Oh, yeah, because the 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 building's not ready. I know, the building's not ready. It's just that... But but I'll tell you... That's a... Wow. I am very... I can't... Wait to be out there for that game. Me to and you see a game. Yeah, we'll be out, out there. there in that building. The opener. We'll be there for the home opener. We'll be out there yeah. doing our show. I can't wait to see how it works. 
and how it looks and yeah. how it feels and all that stuff. Diamondbacks, two games left on the season. Zach Gallen is on the bump, taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. First pitch for game number 161 on the season is at 440. And more baseball news. Albert Pujols hit homer number 703 last night. But Aaron Judge still stuck on home run number 61. He's hit one home it's run pressing, in his last 13 games. He's pressing. He's got another. He had a big game today. Got another chance tonight against the Texas and Rangers. And then tomorrow. And then tomorrow, too. To and see that's if he can it. Get it. So he's yeah. got eight at-bats, nine at-bats left to hit one home run. We know the 12 teams that will participate in Major League Baseball's postseason with this new format. In the American League, the Astros and the Yankees will have first-round buys. Cleveland and Toronto will be the two host teams for the first round. Who plays who? We don't know. It's going to be Seattle and Tampa Bay are still battling for the fifth seed. In the National League, Dodgers are locked in at one. Atlanta's locked in at two. They'll both have first-round buys. St. Louis is three. The Mets are four. And they don't know yet who they're going to play between San Diego and Philadelphia at five and six. Right, Looking right. forward to the new format this year? Yeah, I don't like the, you know, the we've talked about this a lot, right? The one game you're done, I mean, that's kind of sucks, you know? So three games is, is kind of better for an opportunity to, you know, to move on. But... Yeah, I mean, listen, I think people like it. You're, 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 you know, the Seattle Mariners got to the playoffs this year, ended like the longest playoff drought. Yeah. I mean, that's great. That's the Baltimore cool. Orioles were in contention. The Orioles were in contention up to like a week ago. So, you know, listen, you add extra playoff teams, it keeps more fan bases engaged. I'll be curious to see, going into the second round, if there's any kind of disadvantage to having a bye because your rotation gets rusty with that week off. You know, I'll be curious to see if there's any... How sort of start to get 10 days of rest before he has to pitch in a game? If that, I think that's a positive. It should be a positive, but you know, sometimes that stuff affects guys differently, and I'll be curious to see. Quarterback news in the NFL. Steelers have officially listed Kenny Pickett as the starter on their depth chart ahead of Mitch Trubisky. It's been confirmed he will be the starter for their game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Denver Broncos Small hands. Yes, small hands Pickett. Kenny Pick 6. Uh, Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson listed as limited on the team's injury report for consecutive yeah. days this well, that's week. what he's given the Broncos so far. Limited. <laughs> they take on the Colts on Thursday night. That was yeah. good. And Cowboys owner and GM Jerry Jones would not rule out Dak Prescott from playing Sunday against the Rams, but acknowledge that the quarterback can't grip a football right now, so he's probably not going to play. Yeah, I think if he first. can't grip a football, he's probably not going to play. I would tend to think so, But too. Jerry's like, Dak, I'm not getting any younger here. Come on, <laughs> let's go. But our top story of the day today. Garantano to the air for the first time. Stand strong, delivers. Andy Isabel on the run at the 40. Hits the brakes at the 45-50. Loose at the 40 of Tennessee. Hits the nitrous at the 30. Andy Isabella weaves through at the 10. Inside the 5, near the goal line. Andy Isabella with a catch and big run deep into Tennessee territory. Oh, man. Ain't nobody going to call the Andy Isabella era an era because it wasn't that. But whatever word you want to use to describe it, yeah, it era is over. with an E-R-R-O-R. <laughs> error. Error on the yeah, Cardinals for clearly, I mean, they made they missed on him. He was they released on today. that whole draft. He got released today, and I will tell you that they felt that he ran his course. They're expecting to get Antoine Wesley and A.J. Green back this week. It's kind of a feeling that Andy just never, you know, never had the self-confidence, played kind of more robotic than anything else when he was out there, not natural.
natural and was overthinking a lot of things and they're just admitting that they missed on him. That's all. They're admitting that they missed on this player. They're letting him go. He didn't want to be here. I, I'm sure somebody will pick him up. You know, he's been waived. I think somebody could claim him uh, and just give him an opportunity, but clearly they they really felt like it was just, it, it was time to move on from him that, 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 that it ran its course. It was part of uh, four different moves that the organization made today. They released Isabella. They signed center slash offensive lineman Billy Price from the Raiders practice squad. More on that in a moment. I know you've got some information about that. They signed kicker Matt Amendola to the practice squad, obviously with the Matt Prater injury and the question mark about his availability. And then to make room on the practice squad, they released quarterback Jared Guarantano. Let's talk about Price for a second because yes. they're, they're yeah. kind of beat up on that offensive line. Yeah, very beat up. They actually tried to sign Price in the offseason, but he just wanted more money at that point, so they weren't able to do it. They like him. He's a solid, you know, center guard combo guy. He can play both positions. He's got experience. And again, with their old line being as beat up as they could, they needed a guy that could come in here and, if necessary, play right away. But they did show interest in him in the offseason. They did try to sign him in the offseason. They just weren't able to get it done because of money. Yeah, Cody Ford isn't close to coming back. At least he's not going to be back this week. So with his absence, now you look at that offensive line, Justin Pugh had to leave. Max Garcia had to come in. Will Hernandez got kicked out. Sean Harlow had to come in. Harlow's your backup center, and Rodney Hudson had kind of been in and out in the first half with that knee issue that he's been battling. So if Harlow has to play center, now you're questionably thin at the guard spot. So you bring Price in just because you obviously need another body there. But Isabella's obviously the big one today. His Cardinals career ends with 33 catches, oh, 447 yards, wow, three touchdowns in the parts of four different seasons. I was kind of surprised, frankly, that that was that high. We all remember that 2019 draft class. They took three wide receivers. We were making bets on which one was going to work out. None of them did. Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, and Keyshawn Johnson. And what's amazing, and again, Blake Murphy did this on Twitter, so I want to give him props. He took a look at that wide receiver class class of 2019 man there were so many good wide receivers available the cardinals took three wide receivers that year in the draft they didn't get any no, of them no and three different guys right hakeem butler had size he was a big receiver Keyshawn johnson was always a great route runner with amazing hands and andy isabella was just pure speed you know he could stretch the defense i mean all three of those guys failed. They all failed. Yeah. Now, the trade, of course, the trade works out because when Steve Kime makes trades, he does really good at it. You know, <laughs> Hollywood Brown's great. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. He's great. What did you expect? You know, just the, the, the drafts are not good, but the, but the trades are phenomenal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but those three guys, you would definitely hope that at least one of them would work out. But honestly, we talk about this all the time. You draft a guy in the second round, you, you, you're expecting that guy to be a player for you, and Andy Isabella was never the player for him. Wide receivers drafted after Isabella that year. DK Metcalf obviously is the most famous of them. Deontay Johnson with Pittsburgh at number 66. Terry McLaurin of the Washington Commanders at 76. Hunter Renfro of the Raiders at number 149. Also going in that draft, you mentioned Hollywood Brown. Uh, Debo Samuel went in that draft. A.J. Brown went in that draft. McCole Hardman went in that draft. Um, And then I mentioned DK Metcalf and others. I mean, there was a great class for wide receivers, and the Cardinals didn't get 
Any of them. No, no. And I I reported this on August 30th that he was going to make the 53-man roster because a lot of people thought he was going to get cut. Uh, But he told them that he wanted to be traded. He wanted a fresh start. He wanted snaps over being a depth guy. He didn't want to be a depth guy. So... um, you know, a few days earlier than that, I had tweeted out that I do not see a scenario in which he doesn't make the roster or is traded because that's what I was being told. They were going to keep him on the roster. So they did. But in the end, he just didn't get any opportunities to play. And now he'll get a chance to go play somewhere else. Week five of Bix Picks is underway. Text the word PICK to 620-620. Sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize. 75-inch TV. It's courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will get an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 620-620 to answer. We talk a lot about the 2 through 53 of a football team. The Eagles 2 through 53. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 987 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and No disrespect to Jalen Hurts at all. He's having a tremendous season. Uh, he's been really, really good as we start to kind of look ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles. But we'll talk about Jalen a little later on in the show. You look at the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles. You look at, as we you know said in the tease, 2 through 53 on that roster. Man, you started doing your deep dive in the Eagles, and I started doing my deep dive in the Eagles. Yeah. I want to get the hell out of that pool as fast as we call out. Get me out of yeah. here. They are. You know, now, are they that good? I don't know. But so far, they're that good. Like, statistically, they're dominating the NFL so far this season. Yeah. It's just about everything. And that's the thing, right? It's everything. Their offensive line is ridiculous. Their running game, Miles Sanders. 356 yards rushing, third in the NFL. 4.9 yards per carry, sixth in the NFL. Rushing TDs, he's got three of them. He's tied for fourth. Okay, he's legit. You start to go look at that offensive line. Here's a stat from the last game. Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, and Landon Dickerson. Three-fifths of their offensive line. In 90 pass-blocking snaps, they gave up no sacks, no pressures, no hurries, no quarterback hits. Nothing. They gave up nothing. Three guys gave up absolutely nothing. Let's go to A.J. Brown. He's got five receptions and 65 receiving yards in all four games this season. There's no other players in the NFL that have done that. Five receptions at least and at least 65 yards in every single game. He's been great. So you just start to go through it and you're like, okay, this. where is the weakness? Where's the weakness for the Eagles? Their defense has been great. Their running game's great. Their offensive line. Their quarterback's been sensational. You try to find a weakness for them. I'm sure there is one, but so far through four games, teams are having a hard time figuring that no, out. No, I, I mean, you, you really have to go looking. I mean, they've got one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the NFL in Dallas Goddard. He's been very, very good. Uh, the one-two punch at wide receiver has been great. Devontae Smith. I, and he and somebody sent us a message on Twitter, I, th- I think sent it to both of us, that, that Devontae Smith's numbers have been okay this year. 18 catches, 266 yards. I, I think most of those came in one game, but still as a compliment to A.J. Brown, and give it that Devontae Smith is a young wide receiver in this game. I, for me, it it all, look, it's such a cliche, but man, it all starts in the trenches, right? And the offensive line 
you, the three main parts of that offensive line, at least the three healthy parts of that offensive line, to go a whole game and give up Stugatz, as you would say, when it comes to pressures and sacks to play as well as they did, and then have a defense on the other side that is just getting after the quarterback every single week, right? They're getting after it. It's a That's what makes this team so tough. You're going to get kind of lose your focus a little bit when you talk about the quarterback. This is one of those rosters that's really, really good. They suffered like three or four injuries in that game against Jacksonville. Didn't matter. They were down 14 nothing in the rain. They came back. They made it look easy the way they came back. Yeah. Yeah, against the you know, you had a, a thing where they gave out a game ball of Hassan Reddick. I said, that's what the Eagles paid $30 million guaranteed for. He had a, a great sack, and then he knocked the ball loose from Trevor Lawrence, which everybody was doing. Recovered the yeah. fumble himself. I mean, he fumbled the ball, what, four times in that game? Yeah. So he had a big game. He had a big game for them. So there, you know, you know, former Temple guy, you know, home for him. He's playing really well for the Eagles. 16 sacks. Ten takeaways. That's what the Eagles defense already has through four games. And what do the Cardinals have? Two sacks? Cardinals have uh, three or four. Oh, is it three or four? four they had two going I into think. last they week. Had two going into last week. Zach Allen had one, and I thought somebody else had a... Gardeck had one. That's right. Okay. So I think they've got four, four sacks. sacks and two picks. Four sacks. On the season so far. Jalen Thompson had one. And Gardeck had the and other. Gardeck had the other. Gardeck's been a... Bargain, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's been an absolute bargain so far. What, this is, year. what do the Eagles have again? Sixteen sacks, sixteen sacks, and ten takeaways. I mean, it's it's. Well, the Cardinals have some. The Cardinals had to, you know, they had the you had the fumble that Isaiah Simmons caused. So, how many? I'm trying to think how many takeaways the Cardinals have because they've got a couple of fumble recoveries. They got a couple fumble. That I, I would guess they've got four, five. Yeah, yeah. When it's all said and done, takeaways not. Not not ten and and certainly not sixteen sacks. Um, it's been it's been very impressive what they've been able to do. Now you know are they? We joked earlier yesterday. We were kind of taking this tone. You were kind of taking this tone of hey, look, man, it's the Vikings. It's that the they Eagles. Played. Look who they played. Yeah, they barely they beat played. the Jaguars at home. Come on, how good they could they be? They're down fourteen nothing to the Jaguars at home. Right. Fourteen nothing at home. Like how good can they be? You go look at they beat the Lions by three. They beat the Jaguars down fourteen nothing. They beat the Commanders. So what? The Vikings. Like you look at the schedule. Like okay, that they, they haven't played anybody. So look, I'll be honest with you. I think this is probably this is probably their best test so far. And I know the Cardinals haven't played well, but you had a stat today that like they're the best second half team in the NFL. Somebody at uh, Pro Football Focus ran the, the kind of the advanced analytic numbers. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals are the worst first half offensive team in the NFL. They're the best second half offensive team in the NFL. And usually, sometimes we'll have an issue with Pro Football Focus. Mm. That's a number that totally passes the eye test. That's they're a the worst in the first half, and they're best in the second half. Yes, it's kind of like their seasons every year with Cliff. <laughs> Except reverse, reverse, right? Yeah, yeah. Usually the best in the first the half, best the worst and then the, the worst. Uh, I mean, we win a lot of games early, and then we don't win a lot of games. But yeah. if we're doing the eye test thing, and you're talking about the Cardinals, doesn't that that stat feels very true? Like that stat feels like, yeah, that's the worst first half offensive team in the NFL, and yeah, that's probably the best second half offensive team in the NFL. That stat passes the eye test, I think, for the Cardinals. Yeah, so, listen, I, I mean, listen. We have a great job. We get to talk about sports every day. We get we get we get paid to watch these games. I'm telling you, some of these games after the first half, I, I wish I was out there like, you know, working on cement when it's 110 degrees outside rather than watch that. 
What would you rather have done? Watch the Cardinals in the first half or pave the roads? I'd rather pave the roads. I I have a question. Yeah. I'm I'm raising my hand. Have you ever worked on cement before your entire life? I mean, even some people that ended up in cement. Oh, my God. We know Gambo, right? He's from that concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure as a former member of the mafia, you might have like, hey, don't step on that sidewalk. You don't know who's, who's down there. Um, uh, no, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, not like a lot, but pouring cement's not fun. No, it's not fun. No, it's not yeah. fun. Getting yeah. it just nice and smooth. And, yeah. You know, one, like, yeah it's, and like a bird steps on the, it or something. Yeah, or but you put your handprints on it. That's always cool. No, you're right. The first, uh, I mean, the first half of last week's game. Yeah. It, something else, anything else. Give me something right. else to do. Like, I have to watch the second I'd half of this game. I'd rather direct traffic with a traffic light being out than watch the Cardinals in the first half of football. But game. then the second half was extraordinary. You know, and if the Cardinals, and to your point about the Eagles not beating anybody, I think you could make the case for just about every team in the NFL. Right? Like, you could look at just about any team's schedule and go, yeah, but who have they played? Buffalo. You know, Buffalo, okay. They've played the Dolphins. They've played the Ravens. They've played the Rams. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty good schedule. I'll take Buffalo for 5,000. That's a pretty good start. But, but. Mostly, I would think the Giants. Who have the Giants played? Like, we all know they're not good. The Cowboys. Who have they played so far? Right? Like it, it, there is when you're when the whole league is filled with that much parity and everybody is two and two or three and one or one and three. Right? You could probably do that with most most teams and say, yeah, but yeah, they play. There are no winless teams. There's not one team in the league that doesn't have a win. Nope. Oh wait, the Texans. Are they Did the Texans have a win? Because they had a tie. The Texans had a tie. Let me look it up. I don't think the Texans have so they a win. They don't have a win? Okay, Mitch has given us the zero. I think they have a tie. They have a tie, though, right? Oh, yes. Stanley. To Indy. Yep. yep, Texans. They don't have a win. There you go. There's your one team. They tied the Colts, and then they've lost to the Broncos, the Bears. and the, How did they lose to the Broncos? God, the Broncos are terrible. <laughs> right? I mean, there's, there's not, there is not a lot of great teams. So there's not a lot of great schedules yeah. yet this early in the season. Yeah. It'd be a big-time win for the Cardinals to knock off the Eagles and hand their first loss. Doesn't mean they can't do it, but that's a pretty good football team so far. When we come back, speaking of the NFC West, everyone's in first, everyone's in last. Everybody's 2-2, two and two, and who saw that happening at the start of the year? That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. If you ain't first, you're last. And that doesn't make any sense at all. you first, you're last. You, you can be second, you can be third, fourth, hell, you can be fifth. Ruby, 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 Ruby. Gambo Show, 100 days till Christmas. 100 days till Christmas. How many Tuesdays is that, Gambo? Uh, Wait, I'm breaking the rule. No math on the air. I'm sorry. Is this technically October, math? November, December, 4, 8, 12, 11 or 12, probably. 13 or 14. Yeah. 100 days. I don't know. 12 or 13. 100 days to Christmas. 100 days. Of course, the Christmas stuff has been for sale at uh, the. Since like February. Yeah, Valentine's Day stuff gets taken down. Since like August, you could buy, you know, stand up snowmen at Home Depot if you wanted to back then. Uh, yeah, Christmas, I'm not quite thinking about I'm barely thinking about Halloween, for goodness sakes. What I am thinking about is our poll question. Let's go to Eric for it right now. 
Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. But I do appreciate the shopping warning for Christmas. A hundred days till Christmas. I, I need to start getting oh, my, yeah. my list together right now. Don't I was I? so good last year. I got in on so many things early and just had things being sent that I, I, I was good. Yeah. I was good. See if you're good this year. Eric, you got a poll question for us. What do you got? Yes, we do. And uh, Suns fans might be wanting uh, them to get ahead of the ball and maybe make a move earlier rather than later with the way their bench is constructed. But without them making a move, obviously, Jay Crowder's status is up in the air right now. But with what they've got, who's the first player off the Suns bench? You got four options. Campaign, Landry Shamit, Dario Saric, and other but on the roster, other. Yeah. Had you given the option of... We didn't go to trainer. That person is not on the Suns roster yet. I think they would have been that in a runaway. But since that's not an option, wisely so. I've got Landry Shamit as the guy I think who should be the first player uh, off the bench. Yeah, I think that... I mean, I think that it should be... I think it'll be campaign because Chris will be the first one out. But I but I, I think that the answer is other. I think that they've got to get somebody. They've got to find a legitimate, you know, scoring threat to come off the bench when when they when they need it. So I think it's going to come via trade. What's our audience say? 46.3% are high on the Darman. Dario Sarge in his returning season first off the bench. 33.9% going with campaign, replacing Chris Paul, of course. 12.2% with Shamit and 7.6% is other on the roster. Yeah. Uh, no new news on a Jake Crowder trade, by the way. Uh, Monty Williams didn't have anything new. Gambo's not heard anything new I'm yet. Not heard we'll see anything. what happens nope. with that. Alright, that's the poll question. Thank you, Eric. You can find it on the Burns Gambo Twitter page. One word at Burns and Gambo is where you can find it. Last night, Monday Night Football, we all had a tremendous amount of interest in it. And boy, we talk again, rosters number two through 53, not including the quarterback. Holy smokes, the San Francisco 49ers defense was just on point. You got the call of that interception return for a touchdown? Give me a moment. Not because I like the guy's name, but that was a good call, right? Stafford going to throw out. Right! Intercepted and coming back the other way. Taladola Hufunga! <laughs> yeah, talent. Yeah, the San Francisco treat. Wow, that was uh, that was a hell of a play. Hafunga, little uh, just just a little pass on a screen gets picked off, taken to the house. San Francisco buried them. I mean, they've got their number, man. They've got there was a seven in a row now. Yes, that they have won over the Rams. And if you go back to uh, you know the games in San Francisco in the last fifteen games in San Francisco, the Rams have won three times, three times in the last fifteen games, and that's like. Pre-Sean McVay. That's pre-Sean pre- McVay. That's like St. Louis Rams territory right yeah, there. That's, that's like, so you know, we, when I go in 7-9 Rams right there. <laughs> that's that, those Rams. That's Jeff We're not going 7-9. Not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go 6 and 10. One of the top five sound bites of all time. Mitch, I'm just all I'm doing is stalling until you can find it because I'm sure you're looking for. I'm not going 7 and 9. Well, the bottom line is, I mean, while Mitch looks for it, if he even finds it, it's just that the Rams, like, forget about how good the 49ers are. I'm okay? glad you went there because we need to have a conversation let's about a, how bad the Rams look Let's last have a night. Rams conversation. Yes. Stafford threw another pick six. Yep. He doesn't look good. Nope. He did get the ball to Cooper Cup. He had 14, uh, you know, Catches for 122 yards, but you say, but that that's all he's got. They don't, they don't, they don't have anything else. Nope. I mean, Stafford doesn't look good. Their offensive line doesn't look good. Their defense 
doesn't really look good. I mean, there's not a lot to like about the Rams right now. You could say Super Bowl hangover. I could. Ju- I might just say, look, they just too many losses from that team last year, and they're not able to overcome That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, Super Bowl hangover is just a concept, right? I mean, let's, let's tangibly look at what they've got. All right, they're missing their left tackle. They're missing their wide receiver. They're missing their star pass rusher from a year ago. They're missing two fifths, three fifths of their offensive line, at least that they were projecting to have. And so you're starting to see that show up on a nightly base. Matthew Stafford does not look right at all. I I don't know if his arm is fatigued from all the times he threw it last year. I don't know if this is just Matthew Stafford being exposed because he doesn't have OBJ out there. The Rams do not look right. And the Rams look like a team. I know repeating as a Super Bowl champ or repeating even getting into the Super Bowl is hard enough. I don't know if the Rams are going to get in to the postseason. They'll probably right the ship and they'll probably figure out a way to get in because it's very rare for a team that wins the Super Bowl to not make the playoffs at all. But the Rams look lost right now. Absolutely lost to the point where the Cardinals very well might kick themselves a few weeks down the road, a couple months for down the road, that game. for holding the Rams to twenty points and oh, not okay. beating them. All right, for for losing that game, for holding the Rams to twenty points and not winning that football game. Because I don't know if the Rams are any good. I really don't. Yeah, their offensive I, line is a mess. <laughs> Cooper Cup, they're way too dependent on getting the ball. Their to offensive him. line is a mess. Nineteen targets Cooper Cup had last night. Yeah, that's all he's got. That's all he's got. I mean, Higby had Higby, like fourteen, but, but you've got to have some variance in what you're doing offensively, and not just look for Cooper Cup every single time. You're going to get you're going to get killed doing that. Yeah, I, I think that the team's in trouble to to the point where you know if San Francisco and Arizona play better, maybe maybe the Rams. Listen, maybe maybe nobody wins this, maybe the 49ers win this division, um, you know, with 10 or 11 wins. The 49ers, I went through their schedule coming up, they got a gauntlet of six incredibly tough games coming up. Like, no, I don't know anybody's winning 12, 13, 14 games in this division. It's uh, These teams are maybe a little bit closer than we thought. The 49ers probably the best team because of all the talent that they have. They have the best roster and if Garoppolo just plays well, they're going to win a, a lot of games. But you look at the mistakes that Stafford's making on a regular basis and I just don't know that you know unless unless they're able to get some reinforcements that team the way it's the way it's stay and they got the Cowboys coming in yeah this next week I think their next game's against the Cowboys you're correct yep so they lose that game it could be a little bit of a free fall for the Rams meanwhile on the other side of the coin San Francisco's defense is first in the NFL in points per game allowed first in the NFL in sacks per drop back first in the NFL in yards per play and it's that yards per play I want to focus on okay. The 49ers defense has allowed 3.81 yards per play. Tops in the NFL so far through four games. For perspective, the 85 Bears allowed 4.4 yards per play. The 2000 Ravens allowed 4.3 yards per play. The 49ers defense right now sitting at 3.8. I don't know if they can stay there, but that's the kind of level you're talking about when you're talking about the way San Francisco's played defense this year. Yeah, that Bears defense, that that Buddy Ryan ran the 46 defense, they gave up like 12 points a game. I mean, they were ridiculously good. They were pitching shutouts and play 
playoff games they were almost impossible to score off of. I mean, it was as good a defense as any of us ever remember that watched it. Uh, the Ravens' defense was probably the second best. And the Giants, when they won those two Super Bowls, the Giants with Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks and Leonard Marshall, that was probably the third best defense I've ever seen. This this 49ers defense is legit. It, you know, you got to have to do it all season uh, to you know to be at that level of what the what the Bears and the Ravens were. But right now, after four games, they, they looked as good as any defense we've seen in a while. Uh, we do have an injury update, by the way, from last night's game, the Monday Night Football game. Kyle Shanahan reports that the security officer who had to be helped off the field during his pursuit of the fan last night has a pulled hamstring, and he'll be okay. The security officer. The security, because uh, of course it was it was Tech McKinley and Bobby Wagner who actually stopped yeah. the protester with the pink stuff. Right, because the security officer certainly isn't catching The security them. officer, apparently there was a security officer who had to be helped off the field last night because he pulled his hamstring trying to chase the guy down. Kyle Shanahan reported well, today. Well, that guy probably didn't stretch and get ready, and you got to anticipate what could happen as a security yeah. officer. They just elevated him from the security officer practice squad, all right? <laughs> Mike Anderson uh, is uh, helped off the field. He'll, he'll be fine, apparently. He's got a pulled hamstring. Coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. We don't need to air anything. Ooh. Monty Williams making it very clear the DeAndre Eaton situation will not be talked about anymore. We'll talk about it next on Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Something tells me, really good song. Something tells me there is an expiration date on how many times you're going to be able to ask Monty Williams about DeAndre Ayton and whether they've talked during the offseason or whether they've talked since the offseason. You get the impression that if you're a reporter, if you're working in the media, you, you've, you're pretty much down to, I, I think that I think that loaf of bread has expired. I, I don't believe you're going to be able to make a sandwich out of Monty Williams and just, asking him, right? I mean, he's not that he's a, a little testy with the answer. I'm not going to say snapping at anybody, no, but no. he's a little testy having to answer these questions about, about DeAndre. He's being professional about it. He's not snapping at anybody, but you can tell there's an edge in his voice. It came up again today. Hey, last week, DeAndre Eaton said he didn't talk to you during the offseason. Have you had a chance to talk to DeAndre yet? Here's what the head coach of the Sun said. I coach DeAndre every day in practice, and I've already said this. I'm not going to keep talking about every time I sit down and talk with somebody. I'm not going to address it or, or you know, make a, a statement about it. I coach him hard every day in practice. See, he's here getting his work in. Like that's what we expect of our guys. And talking about whether or not I talk to a guy, I think it's kind of senseless. Kind of senseless. But, but here's the thing: nobody's asking whether you sat down and talked with Devin Booker or Landry Landry Shamit or Mikael Bridges or Cam Johnson. It's just DeAndre. And for rightfully so. You guys hadn't spoken since Game 7 against the Mavs when you guys had a little mini blow-up. Mm-hmm. So it's very, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fair, honest question. I'm not going to ask about every time I sit down and talk with a guy. Nobody's asking you about any other guy. They're just asking about DeAndre. Is the relationship repairable? Is it fixed? Is it okay? Is everything good? Is it fine? Like, Or, or is there going to be tension between the two of you going forward? I mean, it's, everybody's going to have their eye on that. So I understand when Monty wants to get past it, but nobody's asking him, hey, you know, what is, you, have you sat down and talked with Bismack Biombo recently? Nobody's asking you that. Because <laughs> nobody cares about nobody that. Nobody cares. There was a follow 
follow-up question. Um, is there any unfinished business that you and DeAndre Ayton still need to air out? Here's what Monty said today. We don't need to air anything. That's, that's my point. I'm not going to keep addressing that. It's like he's the player, I'm the coach. It's like with Book and Chris and Kale. DA gets his work in every day. He's at 22 and 12 and 20 minutes. Like, those are the kinds of things that we expect from him. I don't need to sit down and talk to him. I don't need to sit down and talk to me. It's a little testy. Monty's a little testy. A little bit there at the end. You know, there. like, like you know, listen, uh, Monty's done a great job. Nobody will deny it. Like, he's been the best yeah. head coach they've had here since, you know, since Gentry. Like, since Alvin Gentry, who was terrific. Like, it's been a while uh, since they've had a good coach. They've had decent, and they've had guys that, like, Jeff Warnesick was a decent coach. But this is the best coach that they've had in a while. Like, everybody loves Monty. Um, but after, the you know, the Game 7 with the Mavs and the loss and the lack of adjustments, like, I you know, I think he feels a little bit of pressure for the first time since he's been here. I would think so. I mean, that pressure uh, culminates. And losing a job or anything like that, but certainly he got out coached in both of those series. I mean, okay. it was totally it was fairly obvious to anybody who was watching that he got out coached. I, I I think the biggest thing for me is that Monty Monty has built built up to your point an awful lot of equity as the head coach of the Suns. Right? He's he's established himself as really really good at what he does, a really good communicator with the guys. And if he feels like this is the the approach to take with DeAndre Ayton. There is a, a kind of a, okay, Monty, you've you've been right about most of the stuff before. Going to kind of trust you on this one that you know what you're doing when it comes to how you're handling DeAndre. But admittedly, I am surprised. I am surprised that there wasn't some kind of conversation that took place between them. And especially after last week when it was revealed there was nothing, that there hasn't been anything since there was revealed that was nothing. I, I just thought Monty was going to have a little bit of a softer touch on this one because it was an awkward, weird offseason for DeAndre and the Suns. Now, Monty was also asked today about any update on Jay Crowder. Here's what he said. Is there anything new with Crowder? Is it still just in limbo? Or? I don't have anything to report about that. And then, of course, I ask you, do you have anything new to report about DeAndre Ayton? No, I mean, I ruled out Dallas, ruled out uh, Boston. I mean, I still think that Cleveland, you know, makes the most sense, but there could be another team out there. I'm surprised, like I am a little surprised that it's taken this long. This one should be an easier trade. Um, You know, you've got a guy who doesn't want to be here. You've got the salary is very manageable. This isn't like trading a $20 million contract. You trade a $10 million contract. Should be very easy because most guys in the league are kind of in that price range. So at this point, I'm just surprised. I mean, maybe you're, you know, you're just just waiting to see. You're holding out for a certain guy. It might be like, you know, Cleveland's offering you Osman and you want Levert. And you're like, I'm not making a trade unless I get Levert. I don't want Osman. And they're like, we'll give you Osman. No, no. We'll wait. We'll see what else is out there. It could be very something's very similar to that. You brought up a scenario earlier when we talk about this. And, and I, I look, it's not... Please, if you're listening right now, no one's reporting this. This just kind of was one of those thoughts that you, you think about and you wonder what if. But no one's suggesting this is going to be what's going to happen or reporting or have sourcing or anything like that. But you had said that yesterday you kind of had this thought like, is the delay in part because maybe there's a chance of the bridge being repaired? 
right, of Jake Crowder being able to come back, much like what happened with Kevin Durant, who made his sure. preseason debut last night for the Nets. I doubt it, but I mean, it's something we discussed this. I wonder if that could even be a possibility that, you know, you could somehow mend those fences. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I, it doesn't seem like Jay's happy here. I mean, I, I you maybe if you, if you, you, you can't make a good trade, you, you try to have one more talk with them, but the fact that they sent them home, like, and they agreed and they told his agent he could seek a trade, I don't know. I just think it's probably more likely that he ends up getting traded. Yeah, and again, you're not reporting it. You're not seeing anyone's no. mentioned that to you. It's just kind of a thought that you had, and it's it's kind of stuck with me ever since you said it, because ideally, we have our poll question today, who's the first player off the bench for the Suns? Man, we saw that we bench don't know. struggle in that preseason game. Ideally, Jay does come back. I, I don't think it's going to happen either, but it would sure be nice if it did. One last note from the Phoenix Suns, who are back in the preseason action tomorrow against the Lakers. Robert Sarver is obviously preparing to sell the team. Investment bank officials who have managed the sales of professional sports franchises in the past tell ESPN they expect the transaction's final price to set a record. Quote, it will be the highest price ever paid for an NBA team. Close quote. The highest price currently... Josiah bought the Nets for $2.35 billion in 2019. The belief in the marketplace is that because the Suns are a warm weather climate, it's close to L.A., Vegas, the Bay Area, new practice facility, renovated arena, new TV rights deal, new CBA on the horizon, the expansion costs for Seattle and Vegas. There's going to be a tremendous amount of interest, an investment bank official said, in the Suns. How, I mean, how could there not be? The names that have already been as the Disney guy and the Amazon guy. Right. Like, both have some interest in purchasing the Suns. When we found out that Robert was selling the team, I think you said it back then, and it's so true. These are one of those investments that you very rarely don't make money on. Right? Like, you buy a sports franchise, it's almost always worth more when you sell it whenever. Ten years down the road. They don't lose money. They don't lose money. Uh They just gain. They just just go up and up and up and up and up. That's just how professional sports, big-time professional sports. Yeah, imagine if you could get in on the investments on these teams. Like, even now, like, okay, it's going to go for $3 billion. Okay, if you could buy in, you would, knowing that in 10 years, your your investment's going to be worth a lot more money. Last chance to win tickets to see the Black Keys next Monday at Auction Pavilion for the Dropout Boogie Tour. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and to enter. The Eagles could be the most complete team the Cardinals have faced this season. They probably are. How much of their success is because of Jalen Hurts? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.